Love Talk Radio. My name is Raina Starr. I am your host. Um, <laughs> quick shout out. Thanks to everybody who understands why I was out last week. Um, death in the family is never fun. So I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who sent well wishes. And we're cool. Everything's fine. Um, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any type might upset you, this show might upset you. But probably not tonight because tonight... I think we're going to be all right. Anyway, Desperate House Wishes <laughs> is brought to you by the one, the only, the incomparably, utterly wicked one herself. It is the merry, merry month of Morrison. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Darcy is currently doing her merry month of Morrison mystery packages. So check out her social media, wickedwitchstudios.com, on Facebook and get a mystery package because they are phenomenal. All right, so tonight is one of my favorite musicians, my friend and yours, the amazing Brian Hankey. Hey, Brian. Hi. It is so nice to be here. Well, it is so nice to have you back. The last time we spoke, it was really mid-pandemic where everything had shut down and nobody mm-hmm. was playing gigs in person, and it seems like we're starting to come out of that. And I noticed that, uh, check out Brian on Reverb Nation, just FYI, y'all, um, that you've got shows coming up. I was fascinated. Yeah, I mean, still, you know, I still had way more shows that got canceled this year than what I have. Uh, but still, mm-hmm. you know, I've got I've got something in June, July, August, and September, <laughs> and it looks like something in October too. So, uh, you know, in festivals, yeah. and that, that that's good. That's really good news. It is. So, what's it been like for you not being able to get out there and perform in front of people? It's been really frustrating. Of course, you'll hear that from from every musician. Uh, been frustrating. Yeah. It's, it's difficult financially. Um, because sure. that's our bread and butter. But on the other hand, I've been writing like crazy, uh, recording. I'm actually recording two albums at the same time. I'm working on a musical <laughs> with Byron Ballard. <laughs> and a uh-huh. big announcement, da, 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 I am uh, taking on a part-time job uh, as electric guitarist for Tawathadea. No kidding. I'll wow. be going, I'm That's heading for rehearsals in Gatlinburg, Tennessee next weekend. Oh, my gosh. How cool is that? So is this a, is this a permanent uh, residency or is this just a, a part-time residency? I mean, tell me, tell me about that. Well, and then we're gonna I, I won't be able to do all other gigs. I, I, for example, uh-huh. I won't be a tough. In June, because I'm I'm booked out. I've got a solo gig, and um, yeah, 
in Arkansas, not Arkansas, uh, southern Missouri, in West Plains, Missouri, uh, doing the thing out there, yeah. the three gates, um, at the same time. So I won't be there for that, but I will be making my debut with them at Starwood in July. <laughs> wow. In July. Yeah, this, is, this is mainly an electric guitar, you know, kind of bring back the old rocker, Brian. I mean, most people that, uh-huh. that know me now at this point in time don't remember me playing playing rock music, you know. Um, and I've, I've got a wonderful old Les Paul that I bought used the summer of 72 that is just, you know, amazing instrument. And I'll be pulling that out and uh, cranking it up and, you know, being a tufa. It's going to be a blast. Amazing. That is going to be a blast. Are you booking out with them um, after that point to do things like Mystic yeah. South? Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll, ha- we'll have to see, you know, what happens, you know, what doesn't get canceled, <laughs> you know, at this point sure. in time. Because because festivals have to plan so far in advance that a lot mm-hmm. of them, I'm sure, are wishing they hadn't hadn't canceled, but they had to because they couldn't start their advertising. And, it was, uh, and the ones that did true. all gambled that, that it was going to be open enough for them to be able to do something. Um, that's true. It's I think, been unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm really, really looking forward to getting getting back to work, period. But I'm really, you know, yeah. I'm psyched about next year because I think we'll all be, you know, back to 100% again. And, uh, yeah. you know, the long drives and all that, you know, I hate all that. But I sure do like, you know, uh, playing for people um, and sharing all that. I've yeah. so much new music that I want to share with people. Um and uh, I well, mean, really, literally, literally, two new albums at once. That's what I'm recording. I I know. You, you know, we had this conversation kind of last time you were on about how prolific you are, and you don't disappoint, my friend. Let me tell you, I hadn't realized that you were working on two albums simultaneously. I should have figured it out, but I didn't. Um, but the new music, as always, is just fantastic. Um, as I was telling you earlier, you know, from from the new albums, Roses Tangled in Ivy, The Fairy King and Miller's Daughter, uh, Witch in the Wood, personal favorite, you know, I mean, because I always have my favorites. So, I, I mean, I've never met anybody who can write as much and as fast as you. And you must have, like, some kind of insanely loving muse because I don't know anybody who can just, drop songs at the drop of a hat like you do. It's pretty amazing. Well, there's a certain, I guess you you can call it, you know, my, my muse, you could say, they, they love me, but my muse has fairy wings and steel-toed army boots for kicking my butt. <laughs> you know, if I don't, if, I mean, I can write the thing fast, but learning it and remembering it, you know, learning how to sing it, learning the proper guitar parts. I mean, because by the time... Anybody hears the music, especially your recorded, every single note on the guitar is pre-planned in advance. I know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Don't always do it, but I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Um, and same thing with all the vocal nuances, you know. Um, mm-hmm. some, some of the stuff is pretty difficult to sing. It, you know, it's all over the place, uh, you know, octave-wise and, you know, and, um you know, so I you know that I'm writing the stuff. I mean, I, and plus, right now the, the musical is ha- you know I'm writing for that, um, 
And uh, I saw the first first a couple of pages uh, a couple of weeks ago for the first time of the play, you know, the text. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I was practically walking on the ceiling. I was so high from it. Because <laughs> well, this is a, you know, I have a lot of ideas anything. and a lot of, lot of big dreams, but this is a big one. Right. And I can see it's going to well, really happen. Brian, for folks who don't know anything about a musical, please explain what you're talking about. Okay, well, you know, we're all familiar with Sound of Music and Oklahoma and Hamilton. Those are big, yeah. successful musicals. Um, this musical, the premise, is based on um, a summer theater group doing a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream by, you know, Shakespeare's play, which oh. is my favorite Shakespeare yeah. play. And what happens is the the real Puck, Titania, and Oberon, the real feathers, the fairies, the king and queen of the fairies, and Puck, who's, you know, the trickster, interact yeah. with the cast of the play. And they have their own yeah. issues that they're dealing with, you know. Oberon and Titania mm-hmm. haven't been together in hundreds of years. And, you know, Oberon is losing touch with himself, and, you know, they're frustrated. And, and Puck is, you know, falls in love for the first time. With a human. Oh wow! <laughs> so, wow. You know, I mean, we, it's, I'm really having a lot of fun writing this music, um, and uh, you know, Byron, you know, is, is getting to the point. Byron Ballard is, is the, the playwright, and of course, everybody knows Byron as a great author, and you know, and priestess, and yep. and a wonderful witch. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, and um, she's she's really a, an amazing writer, and. Anyway, I'm losing track uh, of what I, what I wanted to say, but she'll, you know, she'll task me with certain things. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and at first I go, oh, boy, how do I do that? Then I figure out a way. Um, uh, the big <laughs> one is she suggested, and I hope this happens, I hope I'm able to pull it off, a barbershop quartet with four fairies. <laughs> No small tasks, Brian. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I, 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 I'm loving it because you know, I, I you know, being challenged is good um, as yeah. as a writer, and I, I really love the whole writing and composition part of of working on things. You know, the, the melodies, the chords, you know, the harmonies. I, I love the production end of it. Um, that you know, and I bring in you know these incredible musicians from all over the world, and they send me wave files, so we don't have to be in the same place at the same time. For example, we were right. talking about Witch in the Wood. Uh, the other people yeah. singing on that, and and, the, and they're they're from Australia. That's Spiral Dance. It's Adrian mm-hmm. and Paul from Spiral Dance. Mm-hmm. So you know, we don't even have to be in the mm-hmm. same room. We can talk about it via Zoom. And they can send. I send them the wave files right. to record. They send them back to me, and then we mix them down. So, I, I mean, Dave the Bar is Yeah, but I've got to ask you, as a professional musician, as you've been for quite some time, um, do you think doing things through technology, you lose anything in the translation? Or do you feel it's sophisticated enough that you're getting everything across that you want to? Uh, the technology makes it quicker and easier to do certain things in production. Um, mm-hmm. And the technology has given us better PA equipment uh, so we get a better sound mm-hmm. live. 
you know, um, better yeah. instruments, although my old Les Paul is pretty hard to top as far as yeah. good-sounding guitars. Uh, sure. I think that it, it losing some – some people go, oh, I prefer analog, you know, recording on tape because it's warmer sounding. And I just kind of scratch my head and go, huh? But it's so much cleaner and you can hear everything with a digital. <laughs> so I guess it depends on what you do with it. I mean, uh, Mama Gina uh-huh. Lamont is recording some stuff yeah. right now that I've heard that is just mind-blowing. People that remember her, you know, think of her as this, you know, woman playing a 12-string and, and singing on her own, which doing these incredibly brilliant songs that she does, you know, yeah. are just going to be amazed at her next album. And she's done this on oh. her own, recorded it on her own. I mean, she, it's uh, the stuff I've heard, I've been very fortunate, is just mind-blowingly good. Um, That's and I hear you know, I'm you know, you're talking about Roses Tangled and Ivy. She's the one singing the harmony on that. Oh, I love it. That's such a great song. Yeah, that one will be on uh, Lullabies and Roses because uh, there's two uh-huh. albums. And the other song, Witch in the Wood, will be on To the Fair. That's amazing. I've never seen anyone write the volume of songs that you write as fast as you write them. Because this is similar to the last time we spoke. You had so much going on. I I feel like I'm riding a tricycle on the Autobahn a lot of times, you know, trying to keep up with myself. Because um, the, the ideas, you know, they come to me pretty quick. And, and you know, I'm I'm blessed that way. But, you know, they, they keep me busy. Um, I, I joke that, you know, I do everything I can just to keep from bumping into walls. <laughs> I had it through all this stuff, and you know I had this yeah. very annoying dream that woke me up. You know, uh, earlier that I wanted to get up this morning because I was dreaming one of my new songs, and I was playing it in my head. And unfortunately, too much of my conscious mind had to go into playing it properly, and that woke me up. <laughs> I've never, never met anybody who annoyed themselves in their sleep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I've, I've been told, I'm sure this is just a vicious rumor and, and totally not true, that I snore, so I annoy others, too. <laughs> you know, I will tell you that most of the people that I know who snore insist that they don't. So it's you are you are in good company with that one. <laughs> well, well, actually, I know I snore because I have I have uh, woke myself up because I snored so loud. So, <laughs> like, what's that noise? There's a train crashing into the house. Oh no, that's me. All right. So the next time I go to Starwood, I'll be able to identify where you are by the snoring sound. I, okay, good. Most Thank likely, you for yeah. the warning. Actually, <laughs> any festival awesome. you go to, you know, and late at night, uh-huh. you're going to hear all kinds of snoring coming out of those tents. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I know. I've been to Starwood. I've I've heard all kinds of interesting sounds in the middle of the night, and not all of them oh, involve yeah. drummers. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Oh, yes, I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to ask a little bit more about your process, because I know – songs just fall out of the sky into your lap or fall out of your brain into your hands. But I want to know what starts it. Like, is it, does someone 
have an idea? Does it come to you in your sleep? Are you one of these guys that wakes up in the middle of the night like Keith Richards and a tune occurs to you and you've got to record it like on a cassette tape? How, what what happens to you when you're in that groove? Well, it rarely happens, you know, waking from a dream. I mean, I have done that sort of thing, but it usually changes so much. Uh, it's just a feeling I get inside of me. Um, I can I can ex- you know express the the very first time I ever wrote anything that happened. I was about thirteen on a country road uh, outside of my grandparents' farm in Highland, Illinois. And I had my uh, old Stella Harmony acoustic guitar uh, strapped over my shoulder and around my neck, and I was playing as I was walking, and I'd just been to this pasture in the dark, and it was misty off in the, the bushes and the trees, and I could feel and slightly hear something off in the distance but couldn't see it. And then I got back on the road, and I started playing, and for the very first time, I caught a groove and started coming up with something. And I got this mm-hmm. chill up my spine and the top of my head buzzed. And that's that's magic. You know, that's that sure. you know, all the powers that work with you letting well, at least me letting me know that hey, this is the right thing. And now it isn't always so blatant. I don't always get that buzzing, but I get this feeling that there's something I need to do. And of course my conscious, you know, brain has a lot to do with it as well, you know. I may have a certain idea or a certain task, like, you know, Byron asked me to do some things. Um, and she, she mentioned that uh, that uh, the character Bottom, uh, who plays Bottom in the play, is actually kind of similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, she talked about him, and I started working on, on, on music for him, you know. Um, yeah. So, I mean... Uh, the, the matter of fact, that one of the most recent ones I wrote, one of the things I was thinking consciously at the same time was that, uh, because he, this guy is so desperate for love, but he doesn't know who he is. So therefore, nobody mm-hmm. else knows who he is either. They just know the facades and the, the, the faces he puts on, the masks that he wears. So mm-hmm. I was also thinking about Joni Mitchell <laughs> and some of those crazy chord progressions we had. You know, with a lot of suspended mm-hmm. chords and, and, the, and key changes yeah. you don't expect, you know, borderline yeah. on, on jazz. And I was fooling with some of those chords and then working with the melody. And, of course, I had my task, so that there came the song. And the inspirations all just, just came along as I was doing it, the, the peak points and all of that. And as I was doing mm-hmm. it, of course, I realized this song is not going to be traditional with a chorus and everything. It's, it's, too, it's way too emotional for that. Because uh, this guy is you know, reaching deep down inside himself, trying to figure out who the hell he is, um, and yet he's, he's crying out for someone to love him for who he is. <laughs> Which I'm sure a lot of a lot, a lot of us find ourselves at, at times going, "Who am I? Why, why won't anybody love me for who I am?" <laughs> uh, it's a it's a it's a question that occurs to people more than you think. I mean. You know, yeah. I have a lot of friends who are still trying to, I mean, I'm almost 60 years old. I, there are things I'm still trying to figure out that I haven't gotten my hands around, you know. And uh, yeah. I would dare say a lot of people are the same way. So it's it's a very, um, it's Shakespearean, however, it's also modern. So I think that's right. wonderful because it's something people can relate to 
now. It's more than just, you know, a fairy tale or a Shakespearean story. It's it's very relatable. I think that's wonderful when you can do that. And I think a lot of people, you know, because of the pandemic, there was a lot of period for introspection. So I think it's timely. Yeah, you know, you're never too old to become a better person. <laughs> you know, you're never too old to, hmm. to learn. Um, yes. So, it's very I don't know, true. I, you know, I, 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 I do my best, you know. But, you know. Yeah, I'm, as we all would aspire to do, I would hope. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because I I went to a jazz college because in a previous life I was actually a singer and I used to spend a lot of time around musicians. And I wanted to ask you, because when I was in college, you know, the main amp- everybody I went to school with, all the guys were basically wanting to be the next rock star. That was the ambition. That's why they got into guitar, a lot of them, or music in general. And I was just wondering if that was your ambition. Did you have grand plans of becoming famous? What What was it for you? Oh, yeah. I mean... I wasn't that different from John Lennon. Uh, John talked about, you know, seeing Elvis Presley in a movie. And he's up there singing uh-huh. and dancing, and women are going crazy over him. And he's making millions of dollars, and he thought, that looked like a good job. <laughs> and I, you know, the thing is, is there's always been that, for me, that drive, that push just for the music and the, for the music's sake. Um, Mm -hmm. I only played in one cover band in my entire life. Um, And I'm glad I did because I learned a lot from playing a lot of other people's songs, you know. Uh But it's certainly not something that, you know, everybody says, well, you have to be commercial. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) That's exactly what you don't want if you're looking for any lasting success in in music. And I don't mean the music industry. Because music industry and music business are just oxymorons like military intelligence is, you know. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it just doesn't, you know, they don't really go hand in hand. If you want to make a living playing music, then you have to be do the business stuff too. But they have nothing in common. Um, you right, just have to, right, like Frank right, Zappa right. put it, uh, said art is taking something from nothing and then getting paid for it, making something from nothing and getting paid for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I that's think that's the art business. One. Yeah, that's the music. You, that's the art business. The music business is taking something from nothing, making something from nothing, and getting mm-hmm. paid for it. Have you had any big musical disappointments in your life? Like any deal oh, that went yeah. bad, or yeah, oh, yeah, tell you me know, a story. Um, Tell me a story. Uh, Let's educate some of our younger musicians. Well, you know, one of my big mistakes was to only work with people that I really liked up front, people that were my friends. Well, the thing is, is uh-huh. I, I can't say I was always a good judge of who my friends should be. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> a lot of times they were pretty sucky musicians. And I had to carry wow. the weight of everything on my shoulders while fighting them to get anything done. That was the, the mm-hmm. biggest mistake that I made. Um, and I did it over and over and over again until finally I decided that the only idiot I was going to deal with was me. 
So as a solo musician, <laughs> I'm it. I'm the idiot, and I can deal with me uh, most of the time. Right. Um, but, you know, having people not show up for gigs, you know, that I, that I booked and that sort of yeah. thing, all that stuff happened to me. So, you know, and getting treated like crap from – from club owners and, you know, people in the mm-hmm. so-called business. Um, you know, uh, there's so much about the music business that attracts lowlifes. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. see the rock stars being surrounded by all these women and making all this money, so they assume that, hey, I, I don't have any talent, <laughs> but I can get into the business end, and I can get some of the rock stars, you know, uh, women, and I can get some of, some of their money, maybe all of it. Wow. And that's what they're there for. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I, I've had my, my share of all of that kind of stuff, uh, and I'm certainly not going to name names, and I would imagine there's not a single one of them that will ever hear this podcast because most of them aren't in the business anymore. You know, really? Because it's not something, yeah. You know, most people that were like that just don't stick around. They realize there's yeah. easier ways to make a living. It's sad that there are such transient yeah. people in the business to just, you know, have their hands out and, and try to basically live in somebody else's sunshine, as I put it, you know. Yeah. And the thing That's is, they don't realize how hard it is. So many people have that, that uh, money for nothing and your chicks for free <laughs> attitude. The dire straits uh-huh. is so well in that song, you know. Uh, they don't understand oh, yeah. the amount of work. That it, that it takes to do it. I mean, I've had a lot of day jobs in my life, you know, some really, oh, really? difficult things that yeah. I've done. Yeah, you know, physical, you know, you know, crappy. And the hardest job I've ever had, taking the most work, is making a living playing music. Sure. It is not an easy way to go. There's lots of easier ways to make money. Uh-huh. I'm, I, <laughs> I don't envy the life of a musician. Um Having been married to more than one, uh, it is it is a hard life. You get called you away for. I mean, well, no, <laughs> not really. Um, you know, I can I can do ex I can do chick singer jokes with you all night if you want to, um, because I was one. So well, here's, here's, here's I just, one it doesn't I, me. I, I made okay. this joke up all on my own, and you probably be able okay. to guess that if it. Why do guitar players date younger women? Why? Because women, because women their own age know better. True. <laughs> Usually true. You know, there's, it's it's really difficult to be involved with a musician who is quote unquote trying to make it, because you mm-hmm. will find yourself being sacrificed on the altar of the whatever the band needs when it's a band right. situation. I know you pretty much work for the most part on your own. And I think, and you could speak to this, the, the benefits versus the drawbacks. Are there any drawbacks? Sure. You don't have all those people with you all the time that know your music that can go with you everywhere you play. But that's also <laughs> the benefit. <laughs> right. You know, because you don't, you know, you're not having to split, split the meager amount of money you're making with everybody at the end of the night either. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I know so many incredible musicians who actually like my, my music enough 
to add tracks to what I'm doing when I'm recording, and when I see them at the festivals, will sit in and play music with me. And that's a blast. So I get that energy, but it's not like the energy you get when you're a well-rehearsed, well-oiled machine. Um, It's not Uh exactly the same. But still, it's still great energy, especially when things really go off right. Yeah, I would imagine that, you know, having everything, like, fail or succeed on your shoulders is daunting but also very rewarding when it works. Yes, yes, Um, and frustrating when it doesn't, of course. Uh, But, you know, I've I've learned that, you know, I can't control everything, you know, I may be looking forward to a really big festival, you know, oh, well, this show is going to be great. I got all this going on. And then weather happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You yeah, know, well, there's something I have no control. control over. Yeah. Sure. Or something goes wrong with the sound, but, or, you know, or, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's all, you know, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong, you know, when you're doing a live show. Um, mm-hmm. And you just have to roll with it and do the best you can with it and, I discovered it's best not to let ego get in the way of all that stuff. You know, um, life just is going to hand you those kinds of things, and you can't, you know, shake your fist at life because it doesn't do any good. Life will just go, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You're shaking your fist at me. This is true. (laughs) Yeah, you can be mad all you want. This is still happening. Yeah, Yeah, I've, I've known folks who have gotten really bent out of shape over things that, we're just beyond human control. And it's like, well, you know, unless you've got some kind of a magic fuck stick and you can just change everything, you're going to have to deal with what's actually going on as opposed to what you would like to have go on. For example, um, band I was friends with and working for, uh, they were playing a, a very large gig, and whoever designed this festival did not understand that when you have a bunch of bands playing in a circle, around the edge of a circle, and all facing each other, they're not going to be able to hear their own monitors when it's like five loud bands. And we're talking about like amphitheater type sound. So we're not talking about small venue, unplugged type of stuff. Um, They were actually competing with Lori Morgan, who was playing on the stage next to them. (laughs) So instead of having everyone in the center playing outward, they had everybody outward playing in, and it was a nightmare. Um, And I've never seen so many pissed off musicians in one place at one time. But planning is very important. And unfortunately, the people who planned it um, were not mindful of things like the carrying of sound, (laughs) apparently. So it can be a disaster. I, I still deal with that kind of stuff. It still happens. So you know, really, you, you try you try to be be ready for it in advance, you know, as as mm-hmm. much as possible. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that had I had myself where I booked to do that gig, and I was told how it was going to be done, I would have said, no, thank you very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either change yeah. it because it's going to be a clusterfuck, and oh, I just turned mm-hmm. it to you know R-rated. Sorry. <laughs> Or, oh, it's not, it's an, it's, I'm just not, not going to do it because, because I swear like a sailor. You're fine. Okay. Yeah, you know, and it just doesn't, 
it doesn't make any sense to do a gig like that because it's not going to do you as a musician any good. The audience members are going to think you suck. They're not going to think that the mm-hmm. festival sucks. Your friends may mm-hmm. all think the festival sucks. The organizers suck, which yeah. they do, but the average person is right. not. So I, I always try my best to avoid situations like that. I still wind up in them, but a situation yeah. that is that blatantly idiotic, and if I were to find out in advance, I would have said, no, that ain't going to work. No, I remember right, being right. you know, book, book first thing in the morning because the guy thought, well, he's an acoustic act. He'll, he'll be great first thing in the morning. Well, I had the <laughs> sun right in my face. And the time oh, I was on stage uh, got cut as I was up there because they went over the night before. And I had a sound man after three songs tell me I had ten more minutes. <laughs> wow. And, wow. I mean, the short time that I was up there, I, my feet got sunburned. My harp guitar, because wow. the sun was directly on it, was like in another, you know, another country was so out of tune. Wow. And it was just, you know, miserable. And I just did my best. Brian, you cut out on me, bud. Oh, we have lost Brian Hankey for the moment. Hopefully he will be back any minute. Um, Brian, call back in, friend. Um, (laughs) Live radio, folks. This is the kind of stuff that happens. So hopefully Brian will call back momentarily. But, again, Brian's working on two albums. And it's pretty exciting because I have never met anybody who could write as much in a short period of time as he does. And I have more questions for him. So there he is, actually. Perfect. I'm back. Hey. Yeah, we just got disconnected. That's all. (laughs) Okay. Um, But, yeah, I mean, (laughs) again, you don't get to control it all, and it's really difficult when you get surprises like that. Um, right. So, I mean, do you lose it when, when that happened and your feet got burned and your guitar is out of tune and it's early in the morning and this is not what you had planned? Do you go to the organizer? I mean, what do you do? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely complain. You know, I let them know that, hey, you yeah. screwed up here. This was wrong. I know you meant well, but you made a mistake. Uh, and, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to do, you have to point out the mistakes. I didn't go, go overboard on yeah. it. I didn't swear, and, you know, and jump up and down and all right. that. Um, but, it, but the main thing right. is I did the very, very best that I could with the situation as it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just did, you know, I didn't just give up and just walk off and, oh, this is, this is all screwed up. I played through everything right. that I could do, and I played the very best that I possibly could. And, sure. and that's what you have to do. You don't, I mean, the thing is, is if you're going to be a musician, the bottom mm-hmm. line, it can't be about all the things that surround being a musician. It has to be about the music first. And that can be very yeah. frustrating when you're not able to do the music the way you want, but still you have mm-hmm. to promote that first. Everything else is just secondary. And it can come along with with it being a musician or not, and it doesn't matter in the long run. Um, what matters is the music. You know, how does it make you feel? How does it make other people feel? Um, and um, I remember that that particular gig, um, I did the debut of the song Raven King, 
and I had oh, really? a whole bunch of incredible singers wow. with me, and uh-huh. they were singing the harmonies at the end while I played a guitar solo over the end. And I remember how frustrated mm-hmm. I was because I was trying so hard, and uh, Ginger Doss gave me a hug afterwards, and she had tears in her eyes and said it was just magic. So there was magic that happened, but, but, but I had to give myself over to it 100% and give everything I had in order to be able to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, when, when you do a gig, you know, you, especially at something like that, you want to feel totally spent afterwards. You want to have sure. given everything you can to the audience. And if you get something back, well, that's even greater because then you can walk off the stage you know, high, high as a kite, and you, know, you got the energy from the audience, and it's all wonderful, but it doesn't always happen that way. And you have to mm-hmm. just continue to give the very best you can because I believe that the songs that are being given to me, that are coming to me, deserve the best that I can do. It's like any magician, right. which, you know, anybody that does magic out there, the magic mm-hmm. that you're being given, that's being channeled through you, deserves your best because it's good stuff. It's good magic. Yeah. So you, yeah. you just do the best you can with it. Um, That's a great And if point. things go wrong, well, hey, they go wrong. You just do the best that, best of your ability, and that way you're not walking away going, oh, I could have tried harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of that. In, I, but I do see a lot of that in witchcraft. I, I, I see a lot of frustration. And... Likewise, I also see a lot of frustration in music because I see some of the guys I grew up with, and they are, some of them are very famous now. Some of them are never going to be famous outside of where they live. And it's a very interesting, you know, separation between one's desire to be known and one's desire to make music. And I think that's something you brought up before because Mm. when you start at, you know, because I always ask, you know, my old friends, you know, why, why it's so frustrating. The business end, you hate the business end. You're constantly complaining. People don't, you know, uh, Companies don't want to record your stuff anymore because, you know, you're not the fresh young thing. Music has become so disposable because of Napster. I will tell you, when Napster came out, I had a heart attack thinking every live musician that I knew that was touring was going to be pissed and ripped off. Did you have a similar feeling when that happened? No, not really. Um, For me, I look at everything everything that happens – you know, I, I, I know that there's going to be good and bad with it. Um, right mm-hmm. now, just about anybody can put out a CD. It doesn't take that much yeah. time, which is a good thing. Or talent. But it, the bad thing is it means there's a whole lot of crap. The good thing is, exactly. is I've never been signed to a label, but back when I was just uh-huh. doing instrumental stuff, I was charting yeah. in, the, in the, the, the international charts for New Age music without being on a label. That's how wow. much it was getting played. So I didn't, I didn't need them taking anything from me or telling me what to do in order to get that success. Had it been in the old days where, you know, a recording yeah. session cost $250 an hour, you yeah. know, it would have been a different situation because the average person can't afford that. But, you know, for myself, I can, I can do $30 an hour sometimes. 
you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm not one that actually does my own engineering. That's too much for uh-huh. me to think about while I'm trying to play and sing and, and all that. I, I work with really good engineers, um, and uh, I'm very happy doing that, you know. Um, I'd rather pay them to do all the headachey things that, that come along with being an engineer, so I, I don't have to think about that while I'm trying to play a complex guitar part. Right, right. I wanted to ask you, do you still um, come up with, you know, strictly instrumental pieces? Uh, not as much. I mean, I spent many years, I did seven instrumental albums in a row acoustic guitar albums, mm-hmm. and I know I'm due, yeah. and I've got plans for it, but I've got this other vocal stuff to finish first. Um, uh-huh. And I've got ideas, you know. It's, I mean, uh, there's a big guitar contest coming up in September that I've decided to enter this year um, called the International oh, really? Fingerstyle Guitar Championship. It? It's the International really? Fingerstyle Guitar Championships in uh, Winfield, Kansas like 20,000 people uh-huh. um, go to this festival. It's a huge fest. And guitarists from all mm-hmm. over the world, you know, fingerstyle guitar players, go. And it's a good thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, whether you win or not, because you see a lot of incredible players that are doing things that maybe you didn't think of, and um, uh-huh. you meet a lot of really super nice people. You know, a lot of the players I've met out at places like this are, you know, become lifelong friends. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I know I need to start working on my contest tunes. I need to come up with four. And I've decided to not just mm-hmm. go do things that I've written and that I already know. I've decided to stretch it uh-huh. a little further and do some things by other people, which is actually harder to do. <laughs> At least for me it wow. is. Because I feel like yeah. I've got to take it and make it completely my own, whatever it is. Um, but uh, that, 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 that will get me started back into writing uh, more just straight instrumental music. Um, and yeah. that and having everything written that I know I'm supposed to write for right now. And I'm hoping I don't wind <laughs> up putting out seven you know, vocal albums before I go back to it. Seven instrumental albums right. is a long time to go without singing. That was 10 years. I had to relearn how to sing. Um, That's interesting. So playing... And singing at the same time are very different breathing methods, are they not? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, when I was recording for the album To the Fair, I was in Hendersonville, North Carolina at Giraffe Studios doing some tracking. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, I think, 13 songs in four days. <laughs> I was really mm. working my butt off. And the last one I did I knew it was going to be the hardest. Because although I wasn't mm-hmm. singing it at the same time I was playing it, I had to sing it in my mind as I was playing it because each verse, the chords are different than every other verse. And the melody changes in every other verse, too. Plus there's an instrumental thing in it, and it's the song uh, Scarborough Affair, which I, I yeah, rearranged I for myself. It. Right, right. And the, the yeah. guitar work doesn't let up. It's a million miles an hour mm-hmm. all the way through it. Yep. And I had, really that uh-huh. I, I had to play that to a click track. I had to play that to a click track, which is this thing mm-hmm. going click, 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 so that I wouldn't go out of time. So I had to keep my sure. mind on the click track, the guitar parts, yeah. and the vocal parts all at the same time. 
while trying not to make any noise or breathe too hard. <laughs> when I was finally done that song, I I was just like, oh my god, why did I ever decide I was going to? Well, you know, I knew why I decided it was just really cool. <laughs> but, you what know, a stupid hard of... thing to do, you know. But it was amazing, so, yeah, I... and you know, I noticed. I noticed that you also did Court of the Crimson King, and I went, he what? <laughs> I'm like, what is she doing? Yeah, I, I, I've i always loved that song, and I decided to take it back more to its basics, which I, I look at as like a, a 60s English folk song, if you cut out all the other stuff. Yep. So it was just me, yep. no harmonies, just yep. an acoustic guitar. And a little yeah. bit of re- reverb, you know, in the studio for the vocal to, to fill out the ah, those, those parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just filled it up with a guitar instead. Uh, I actually yeah. I actually made the guitar work more complicated than Robert Fripp's. <laughs> in order to do it, because he... <laughs> which I'm sure would make him laugh like crazy. <laughs> but in order to pull it off, I had to do a lot of different things at once, and... It, I love it. I love that song, and I love it that I was able to figure out how to pull it off and do it do it solo, because uh, it's just a beautiful song. For those of you who don't know, look up Court of the Crimson King, King Crimson. It came out in 1969, and it was about uh-huh. 20 years ahead of its time, way ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, it was ahead of its time for sure, absolutely. I'm old enough to know. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I just I was because I was looking, you know, because I love your music and I love, you know, before we actually speak, I like to freshen up on what you've got going on because, as we've been saying during the entire show, you know, you write so much in such a short amount of time. I'm like, oh, let me see what Brian's up to. Holy shit! <laughs> and there's this list of stuff that I'm like, wait a minute, when did he have time for all of this? And I, you know, of course, think to myself, well, he's Brian. Um, you already know that answer, so just go listen. So it was fantastic. Uh, most of it, you know, most of it comes Affair, quick. Yeah. yeah, your Scarborough Fair version was, re- I w- I'm like, I can't keep up with this song. I had to listen to it three times, and I'm like, you're like a train. <laughs> I'm like, boo, 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 boo. just listen to it. Folks, just buy the albums when they come out. Trust me, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's pretty amazing stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, and you know, I, I wonder about stuff like that. I mean, because you're not one who does a whole lot of covers. And they're not even, co- I can't even call it a cover because it's not a cover. It's more like a reinterpretation. When you do someone else's music, most definitely. So yeah, so yeah, so let me correct. It's not a cover. It's a reinterpretation because it's it's not somebody doing Simon and Garfunkel. It's not somebody doing. You just have to listen. Trust me. It's a reinterpretation. But anyway, um, and you had (laughs) talked about the fact earlier that it's harder to do someone else's music. Well, but doing I it the way that I do it is hard. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's like, do you purposely set up these obstacles for yourself, Brian? I'm just curious. 
pretty much, yeah. I mean, I don't don't think of them as obstacles when I'm doing them. I know that it's going to be hard. I don't start off going, well, I'm going to do yeah. something that's really difficult right now. I just do what the music <laughs> tells me to do, you know, and yeah. uh, and that's the way it comes out. You know, I'm doing, I guess, oh, this is going to be a good idea, and I play it and go, yeah, this is great. I'm going to keep doing this, you know. And uh-huh. if I find myself laughing while I'm writing or, you know, I just come up with something, then I know it's good because it made, it was so good. It there made you me go. laugh. Uh, and, <laughs> You know, things like Scarborough Affair, you know, basically I was. You're breaking, Brian, you're breaking up. You need to to repeat all of that because you were just breaking up. Okay. For Scarborough Affair, basically I was writing a song and putting it inside another song. So I had a framework of the the melody and the words. I'm still breaking up. A little tiny bit, but I can hear you better. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm sick, so it shouldn't be good. Uh, but yeah, the the it's a song within a song. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I have the framework of the words and the basic melody to work with, and everything else is completely my own uh, on that yeah. song in particular. Um, yeah. On uh, Court of the Crimson King. Um, I had heard some of the stuff that the guitar player was doing after Robert Fripp, and I thought it was kind of cool, yeah. and I took it, adapted it to acoustic guitar and added a whole bunch of harmonics to it and really filled it out and then added the fingerstyle stuff in because I didn't have the bass or the, any of the other stuff. And then in the section right. where the flute solo comes in, I had to basically write a fingerstyle piece that fit in that middle part that had the same feel as the flute thing did. Of course, not right. the same melody. So basically, I wrote a small fingerstyle instrumental piece to put inside of Court of the Crimson King that would fit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I shortened it's it. so creative. I, yeah. I, I, I cut out a lot of the stuff. And I didn't do the key change that they, they did in it because I'm like, you don't really need that. Getting so bored with what you have that you've got to you know, change the key to make it interesting. <laughs> I'll just make it yeah. shorter so that I don't get bored with it. Um which is why my songs tend to not be super long. I, I get bored with myself yeah. pretty easy. <laughs> that sounds so silly. Oh, my gosh. But guitar players tend to do that, I find. It's like, you know, there there are guys that love to solo, and then there are guys who are like, no, 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 no. And I learned this lesson, you know, in college, because I went to a jazz college. It was like... Get into mm-hmm. the song, get out of the song. You know, get into the solo, say what you have to say, and leave. <laughs> you know, don't overstay your welcome. Right. Well, I've, I've got one for you. Uh, I just came up with this as, okay. as a response to something on, on YouTube. A guy was talking about a Joni Mitchell's song, and they're talking about the chord G-sus, or G-suspended fifth, but most musicians will just go G-sus. And I said, uh-huh. that's how jazz was born. Somebody said to the other chords, G-sus is coming. Everybody look busy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry for folks who did not get that joke. But you had to have been around. You had to have been to a jazz. You have to be into jazz. And I'm not even into jazz, but I was surrounded by jazz musicians 
or actually, I should say, I was surrounded by rock musicians, but we were in a jazz school because we had to learn theory and we had to learn all of the things that make music music. And where else do you go, you know, in the 70s but to Five Towns College in New York. See, there you go. You've got your shout-out to my old alma mater. Um, but, yeah, it's it's still it's still a music school, but they have expanded greatly because it was a great place to go. And while we still have time, I did want to ask you a question because um, <laughs> I'm full of questions, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, that's my job. So when you're writing... Is it easier to write something with lyrics, or is it easier to write something without? Hmm. Yeah, I don't find it, it easier one way or like the other. It's a simple question, but it's see, it's it sounds like a simple question, but it isn't because what I find is people who write songs with lyrics do the intro, chorus, bridge, you know, verse, chorus, fade. I find that folks who write instrumentals have a different challenge. How far do you go? Well, I I, I go, I I, I stress those bounds with the vocal music too. But with lyrics, Mm -hmm. what what happens is whatever I'm trying to say will inform the melody as well. I'll Mm. change the melody to fit the words. The simplest way I can describe this is if you're going to sing the word high, you're going, you're not going to say, I want to sing high. You don't do that. You say, I want to sing high. Right. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the simplest way I can say it. And sometimes I'll find myself, yeah. absolutely when I say, what I want to say has more syllables in it than what I had in the previous verse on a particular line, mm-hmm. and I will change the melody to fit those syllables and bring out the emotion in the song that much more. Um, and, you know, all the while I still have, you know, an instrumental backing because, you know, I don't have the rhythm guitarist and the bass player and all that going on behind me. It's just my guitar. So the guitar mm-hmm. is already fairly complicated, but generally not quite as complicated. And I say generally not as on a strictly instrumental tune. So are the, is yeah. one harder than the other? To me, they're pretty much one and the same. Yeah, there's just a different process. Um, yeah. That, that's all. Because when I talk to folks who write lyrics, they're like, they don't change the melody to fit the lyrics. They change the lyrics to fit the groove. Right. So you've got a very unusual process, and well, I, do, I, do that I as find well. it really. Uh, we'll do that as well, but, yeah. but you know, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, I just find that intriguing. That sometimes you've got something, and your idea of how the flow should go is different from Moon June Spoon. You know what I mean? Right. And you're willing to adjust and let let stuff breathe. Because I find a lot of musicians really hold on to this idea that they have and they they want to shoehorn the lyrics in very tightly right. sometimes. <laughs> so well, I like the fact that you let it breathe and it shows in your music. It really does. If you, if you were to take the song that we were talking about, Witch in the Wood, 
uh-huh. the first first uh, verse has two sets of, of lyrics, basically, back-to-back. Second, and then it goes mm-hmm. into the chorus. The second time around, right. it's only one, and it goes into the chorus. <laughs> yeah. And the last time around, it's even bigger, and the, the melody changes because it gets a little bit more intense in certain spots. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I was talking about this on nights that were so clear. Uh, when I hit the word clear, I went up. I didn't do that to the rest of the song, but I wanted that to really come out on nights that were so clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I changed it. I didn't need to for the, to fit the words in. I changed the melody specifically to bring out that that word and that that vision that that you know visual sight because I try to be as visual in the words as I can to bring that out even even yeah. more even more than just speaking. Which is. Oh. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, your style is uh, your style is not a common style and that's why I think you're so beloved because you you let it breathe and <laughs> it's it's just really cool. I love what you do, Brian. And before and we are like, wow. Okay. So we are almost out of time. Please tell folks where to find you. I have really enjoyed this conversation. You're amazing. Um, but let folks yeah. know where you are and when they, where they can catch up with you. Yeah, don't don't look for me on Facebook because I'm having issues with Facebook. I'm there, but it's hard for me to communicate. Um, yeah. And uh, go to ReverbNation.com. You can stream almost everything I do there for free and occasionally even download things for free, including some of the new stuff. And that's ReverbNation.com slash Ryan Henke, which is, you know, B-R-I-A-N-H-E-N-K-E. I'll be at Three Gates uh, Gathering in West Plains, Missouri. Uh, I'm going on the wrong page on my calendar. Um, on the, the 11th, 12th, and 13th of next month, June, coming up soon. And then uh, June, June, moon, yep, it's soon. Uh, and then July... <laughs> I will be at, at one of the biggies. I'll be at Starwood. Um, I will be there from the 13th all the way through to the 18th. And besides doing uh, a show with um, sharing the stage with Jin Chutoff and Linda Millard, uh, Billy Woods will also be up there. Um, and then I'll be doing my debut on Saturday night, the 17th, with Tawasa Dea. And then in August, <laughs> for the folks up, up north a little ways, I'll be uh, doing the Sacred Harvest Festival the 16th through the 22nd. That's in August. Uh, I've never been to this festival before, but I know a lot of the people that, that do go, and it looks like this is uh-huh. going to be really fun. So and that's, that's pretty much where you can see me this summer. And, of course, I'll be out at the Walnut Valley Fest in September. Um, if you want to catch me uh, playing some songs around campfires and, uh, and then playing in the, the guitar contest, I'll be out there. Um, but um, awesome. I, I sure hope to see. There's so many of you out there that are listening that, I, I, I miss you guys. I want to play for you. I want to hang out with you. You know, I want to tell my dumb jokes to you. Please don't let that keep you from going, though. <laughs> Brian, and, and you're amazing. Ahead, you can, Brian you, can, Hanky. you can ask me about my tater jokes anytime. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll tell two quick before we go. What, what do you call uh-huh. him? I'm an obnoxious jerk. <laughs> Potato, a dictator. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just great potato as a dictator. <laughs> How about a potato who's a wizard and can do magic? A prestidigitator. 
Oh my God, Brian. Yeah, we had such a Don't lovely conversation. Don't let that keep you from coming to the festival to see me play, though. Okay. <laughs> you're you're a riot. I I I can't wait to see you next year because I'm already planning when I'm going to see you. So very excited, good, Brian. Good. Many blessings traveling, and keep doing what you're doing because you're amazing, and I hope I can convince you to come back on between gigs in the near future. Oh, yeah. You know, and you, basically, any time you want, Raina, just, you know, send me an email and say, hey, Brian, you want to be on the podcast? And I'll say, sure. <laughs> I'll say, yes, awesome. I'll do that. I, I enjoy talking Thank with you. you. So I enjoy the podcast, and um, I Thank really you. appreciate your inviting me on. Uh, and, and I will have you back on, absolutely, because you are fun to talk to, and you're so creative, and I just really enjoy our conversations, Brian. Thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. You have a great night. Okay, everybody, I'm wrapping it up for – thank you, darling. I'm wrapping it up for the night tomorrow afternoon. I will be talking at 3 p.m. to the amazing Nicholas Pearson. We're going to talk about crystals, and we're going to talk about ethical uh, ways to acquire your crystals, something I am completely ignorant about, so I'm hoping to learn a lot. Anyway, guys, have a wonderful night. Talk to you tomorrow.